Welcome to Retire Eyes Wide Open. I'm Scott Landborg. We've put together a collection of some of our best content from season one. In this collection, you'll hear about strategies for Social Security and the top mistakes we see people make when electing their benefits. We'll talk about how to deal with volatility in your portfolio and some of our top tax strategy tips. We'll also introduce you to the Retire Eyes Wide Open test, the REWO test, a 13-question test to know if you really are retiring with your eyes wide open. This collection is meant to give you a sample of our podcast. If you like what you hear, go to our website, retireewo.com. You can also go to iTunes or Google Play for full episodes or like us on Facebook for our latest content. And as always, if you want to talk more one-on-one about your personal financial situation and strategies to help you optimize your retirement, I'd be happy to sit down with you for an initial consultation. Just reach out to our office to schedule. Hope you enjoy. The following track is taken from Season 1, Episode 4. In this episode, we talk about Social Security tips and strategies. Whenever you decide to take your Social Security, make sure you go into that decision with your eyes wide open, that you really look at it and analyze the different ways to optimize your benefits. What are some of the top things you need to be considering when analyzing your Social Security benefits? Number one, you want to look at Social Security as a joint decision with your spouse and understand how the decision could impact both of you. I see this so often when people are thinking about their decision, they're thinking just about them. What's their health like? How long are they gonna live? How long did their parents live? What's gonna give them the most benefit? When do they wanna turn on their pension? It's not just about you. When you're thinking about Social Security, you need to think about both of you. Because remember, if something happens to one of you, if one of you pass away, the lower Social Security amount will disappear. And we ran some analysis, a break-even analysis for someone that decided to wait to take their benefit till 70. And that person passed away at age 70, and their spouse lived to 92. And guess what? Waiting to take that person's benefit until 70, even though he never received a nickel of that benefit himself, what it meant is that his spouse, his wife, received over 100000 more in benefits over her lifetime. So you want to look really closely at different strategies for taking your Social Security. Tip number two. Every year that you wait means a higher benefit for both of your lives and a higher base amount for inflation adjustment. Every year you wait past 62, your benefit is increased for the rest of both of your lives. Every year you wait past full retirement age, you get an 8% increase for both of your lives. And you have to remember, if you have that higher amount, if your benefit's at at 2,000 at 62, but 2,600 at full retirement age, it's a bigger amount of money that you're getting those inflation adjustments on. And if you look at the statistics, if you look at the projections over time, it's a significant difference every year that you can wait. Tip number three, realize the tax implications of Social Security income. This is a big one, and it might require you sitting down with your tax advisor for more information. But the tax implications on Social Security income are huge. I met with someone recently, they were in the highest tax bracket possible, and he was thinking about turning on his wife's Social Security benefit. I asked him why. Why would you do that? Why would you pay half of that money to the government in taxes? According to his financial plan, once he retired, his home was paid off, he was going to be in a much lower tax bracket, 
it would have been much more beneficial for him to defer his wife's Social Security, have her have that higher benefit because they're in a much lower tax bracket just three or five years down the road. So understanding the tax implications are huge. Tip number four, know your other income sources and how they may impact your Social Security. This is another big one. When you are retired and you're planning for retirement, where is your income going to come from? Is it coming from pension? Is it coming from IRAs? Is it coming from uh, your cash account, your trust account? Where is that income going to come from in retirement? And you really have to understand the tax consequences of pulling from those different sources. If all your additional money beyond your Social Security is coming from Roth IRA proceeds or non-qualified or cash proceeds, you may be in a situation where you're paying very little federal and state income taxes, maybe nothing if you position it appropriately and if you're aware of where those breakpoints and those calculations are. Tip number five, know how working could impact your benefits. This is a big one. I see people make a huge mistake when they're 62 and just flip on their benefits and keep working because they don't realize the penalty that they'll have to pay. So make sure you understand how working could impact your benefits. If you're 62 years old, for every $2 you earn over $17,000 a year, for every $2 you earn, you're going to be penalized a dollar if you have your Social Security turned on. If you're full retirement age, however, you will not be penalized. So make sure you're keeping that in mind. Now, penalties are an important consideration, but also taxes. Tip number six, be aware of advanced strategies for widows, divorcees, minor children, and restricted application. We could do an entire show on some of these advanced strategies. So make sure that you're aware of them and how they impact you. If you're born between 19, before 1954, if you're born before 1954, you need to understand what the restricted application is, how it may allow you to double dip, to take some spousal benefit and then defer to your larger benefit. If you have minor children, understand that you may qualify for additional benefits based on them when you turn on your Social Security. If you're 62 years old and you've got an 11-year-old at home, you qualify for additional benefits if you turn on your Social Security and make sure that's part of your calculation. If you're a divorcee, understand that you're entitled to half of your ex-spouse's benefits if you've been married to them for over 10 years. Understand that if you get remarried, some of those benefits could go away. If you're a widow, there's some strategies with that. Maybe taking your widow benefit and deferring your own benefit. Different strategies that need to be explored to make sure you're making the right decision about your Social Security. Tip number seven, understand that file and suspend is no longer available. If you're 66 and you're still working, maybe your wife stayed at home, took care of the kids, doesn't have her own Social Security benefit, guess what? She qualifies for a spousal benefit. Under the old rules, she could turn on her spousal benefit at any time. But under the new rules, file and suspend is no longer available. You cannot turn on a spousal benefit unless the primary worker has turned on his or her benefit. An important change that you need to plan for. Tip number eight, divorced spouse benefits cease upon remarriage. Divorced spouse benefits cease upon remarriage. It's not just about love anymore, folks. If you're going to get remarried, you need to be very crystal clear on how that might impact your Social Security benefits. Plenty more to talk about with Social Security. We also do Social Security events throughout the year and one-on-one consultations. If you want to talk more about your Social Security, go to our website, 
retireewo.com. That's retireewo.com. Click on attend an event if you'd like to come to one of our seminars or click on schedule a consult if you want to meet one-on-one. The following track is taken from season one, episode four. In this episode, we talk about top social security mistakes. We'll address the top seven mistakes that we see people make with their social security. We've talked about some tips of what you should do right. Now let's talk about what we see people do wrong. Mistake number one, turning on your social security at 62 when you're working. It's a common mistake and a big mistake. It happens when people don't think about their long-term social security strategy and just say, hey, I'm going to pull whatever I can from the government as quick as I can. The issue is that there's penalties. If you're working and you turn on your benefit and you're 62 years old, for every $2 you make, over $17,040 per year, but let's round it to 17 grand. Every $2 you make over 17 grand a year, you're going to be penalized $1 for every $2 you make. That's a huge penalty. So basically, if you've got a full-time job in Southern California and you turn on your benefit at 62, you're probably not going to get any of that Social Security benefit anyways. And by the way, you're going to miss out on a lot of those increases. Most of the increases you would have received by waiting, you're going to miss out on that. So your office mate or your cube mate or your buddy down the street that told you, hey, just turn on as soon as you can. That's a big mistake we see often. Mistake number two, not doing restricted because you weren't paying attention. There's this advanced strategy called doing restricted application. You may want to be one of those people out there listening that are planning on waiting to take your Social Security. It's funny. I ran into a mentor of mine um, from Minnesota, and he was so proud of himself when I asked him what he was doing with Social Security. He said, oh, I waited till 70. I said, did you do the restricted application? He said, no, what's that? You missed a huge opportunity where you could have received your spousal Social Security benefit from 66 to 70 and still received your maximum benefit on your own benefit at age 70. You missed a huge opportunity and left a lot of money on the table. He wasn't so happy when I told him that one. So mistake number two is about people that just didn't pay attention to strategies that could have helped improve their overall income. Mistake number three, remarry without understanding the consequences. It's not just about love anymore, folks. If you have a Social Security spousal benefit, you have to understand how remarrying could impact your benefits. You remarry a a person that's 10 or 20 years younger than you, you may not qualify for that Social Security benefit at all. So make sure it's at least part of the equation. I don't want to tell you not to get married, but make sure it's part of your plan. Make sure you go into your, with your eyes wide open so that you know what you're getting yourself into and how remarrying could impact your Social Security benefits. Mistake number four, waiting on the spousal benefit until age 70. Again, you might not need the income, so your spouse is going to wait till 70 to take her spousal benefit. Maybe she stayed at home taking care of the kids, but guess what? After you reach full retirement age, spousal benefits do not get those same level of increases as the primary worker's benefit does. The primary worker that waits past age 66 is going to get an 8% increase, but you don't get that same increase on a spousal benefit. So make sure you're aware of that when you run your calculations. Mistake number five, thinking that if you die at 70, you were better off taking it early. It's not always the case. If you die at 70 and your spouse lives to 92, 
your spouse was over $100,000 better off with your decision. Even though you never received a nickel, your spouse had that much more money during the rest of his or her lifetime. Mistake number six, neglecting to plan if one of you pass. Some clients think they're going to die tomorrow. Some think they're going to live forever. Regardless of how it ends up, you need to plan for what if something happens to one of you. Your lower social security amount is going to disappear. It's going to go away. What's going to happen to your pension benefit? Is it joint life? Is it single life? What's going to happen to your investments? All of these things are connected and you need to plan. What if something happened to one of us? How would we put the pieces together to make it work? Because that social security benefit, the lower amount, it's going away. And mistake number seven, not understanding how social security is taxed. Man, this is a big one. If you're single, if you're married, the thresholds are different, but there's a level where your social security benefit will not be taxed at all. There's a level where it's taxed at 50% and a level that it's taxed, 85% of it is taxable. You need to be aware of where those numbers are because when the calculations are done, they're only taking half of your social security benefit in getting to those income numbers, getting to those thresholds. So there's some maneuvering that can be done with you taking money from Roth IRAs, from non-qualified accounts, from cash accounts to help tax optimize your entire portfolio. And we'd be happy to talk to you more about that one-on-one. That's some of our top mistakes that people make with their social security. If this is a subject you wanna learn more about, go to our website, retireewo.com. That's retireewo.com, retire eyes wide open. On the right-hand side, click on attend an event if you'd like to come to one of our upcoming social security events in Southern California. We've got some at community centers, some at restaurants. We'd love to have you as our guest. If you'd like to talk more one-on-one about your situation, go to our website and click on schedule a consult. The following track is taken from Season 1, Episode 2. In this episode, we talk about managing volatility in your investment portfolio. You know, I've got a few strategies and tips to help you as you navigate the financial world and as you try to deal with managing volatility. Tip number one, stress test each holding you have. Every investment you have, whether it's an ETF, whether it's a mutual fund, whether it's an individual stock, you wanna look at the 2008 and 2001 numbers for each position you hold. This becomes even more important than the long-term performance track record of those positions. If you're concerned about volatility, you need to stress test those positions. Understand how risky are the things that you own. You gotta have your eyes wide open about what you have. It's been easy to keep your eyes closed because you've been making money for the past eight, nine years, but let's take a real look at where you are now. If we have another 08 or another 01 type environment, how risky is each one of your positions? Strategy number two, have a sell discipline. Whenever you make an investment, think about what would have to change for you to sell or get out. People fall in love with stocks all the time, and those are people that that run into problems. You know, I don't care what stock you own, I don't care how many years you've worked there. You don't know what the potential risks are around the corner. And sometimes the risk isn't that it's gonna lose money, but maybe the risk is that you don't make a lot of money over the next decade. Certain stocks just don't grow over a period of time and people fall in love with what they think they know. Just because you work at a Fortune 500 company doesn't mean you know everything about that business. Doesn't mean you know everything about the competitors in that business. So you need to really think carefully about a sell discipline. 
And this becomes even more important when you have a lot of your portfolio wealth concentrated in one position. I meet with people all the time, 50% of their money in one stock, company stock, and they fall in love with it. So you need to have a sell discipline. Strategy number three, ask your investment manager about their investment philosophy. Do you believe it bodes well for the future? So when you're thinking about your portfolio, the returns, the risk, you really wanna get to the bottom of what is your investment manager's philosophy? What's their fundamental approach to how they make investment decisions every day? Because it's gonna give you confidence about how they're gonna make decisions going forward. It's important to look at past performance numbers, but it's not the only indicator when you think about the future. Did they get good performance numbers because they're lucky? Or did they get good performance numbers because they have a fundamental outlook to how they manage investments and how they make decisions? Are they an active manager? Are they a passive manager? Is it about mean reversion? Is it about momentum? What is their philosophy? And try to understand it as much as you can. Strategy number four, understand that the next five years are not going to be like the past five years. The past five years are very different than how the next five years are going to be. Make sure you really understand and embrace that. The past five years, it's been a rocket ship to the moon. Every time you open your account statement, you're making more money. The next five years, there's a very high probability of a recession, a pullback. Make sure your portfolio and your positions are prepared for that type of new world. Strategy number five, de-risk your retirement income picture. Look at adding more guarantees to meet your basic needs so that you can sleep at night and then take more risk with the rest. What am I trying to say? When I get together with people one-on-one, one of the first questions that we're asking is how much income do you need in retirement? Then we look at where the income's gonna come from. Is it gonna come from social security? Is it gonna come from pension? Is it gonna come from investments? We look at where that money's gonna come from. And I encourage you to de-risk the retirement income portion. Whatever you need for income in retirement, take the risk out of that. That's social security, that's pension, that's other guaranteed income sources. The rest of it can be gravy. The rest of it is the frosting on top of the cake. That's where you can take some more of the risk in your portfolio. You're gonna sleep better at night knowing that paycheck that you need is gonna cover the basic stuff that you have in retirement and the basic stuff you'll need in retirement. The following track is taken from season one, episode three. In this episode, we talk about tax strategies and tips to optimize your retirement. Tip number one, understand the tax consequences of your social security income. If you're married and you're looking at your taxable income for the year, if you're married and your taxable income is under $32,000, guess what? You're gonna pay no income taxes on your social security at all. Let me repeat that. If you're married filing jointly and your joint income is under 32,000, no taxes at all on your social security income. Now in getting to that number, you're gonna calculate all of your income, including your social security. Your social security income, you're gonna actually cut in half. So it all doesn't count against you when factoring in what your total income number is going to be. If your total income is under 44,000, only 50% of your social security income is going to be taxable. If you want to be tax efficient about your income, you want to be tax efficient about your income plan, you need to understand how the taxes on your social security benefit are calculated. That's tip number one. Tip number two, get money into a Roth IRA even if it's only $10,000 per year. Do whatever it takes. Contribute. 
convert when it makes sense. Even if you're in a higher bracket, it may make sense to start putting a little bit of money into a Roth or convert a little bit of money to a Roth. Maybe it makes sense from the day you retire till the day you turn 70. Maybe you're in a lower tax bracket then. But if you can start putting that money aside, it really starts to add up over time, especially when you consider the growth potential of that asset. You want your Roth to be the most aggressive asset in your portfolio. Okay, You want to be the most aggressive asset in your portfolio, so likely you've got the potential to grow that money faster than you have anything else. If you think about how much time you have in retirement, it could be 10 years, it could be 20, it could be 30, it could be even 40 years. And so converting a little bit of money each year puts a much larger tax-free nest egg in your plan. Tip number three, know that cash is king. Know that cash is king, and your joint or trust account is not far behind. When we meet with people and talk about where their income is going to come from in retirement, if you have cash or if you have a joint or a trust account, you need to look very closely at when you're going to be pulling income from those assets. Because if you do it smart, if you do it smart, you can keep that taxable income at a level where you make your Social Security income more tax efficient. Now, you and your spouse... Maybe you're both working, you're used to making a bunch of money. When you retire, often you live on less. One of the reasons you live on less is maybe your mortgage is paid off. I'm surprised every day when I meet with people and we do projections and look at numbers. If a person doesn't have a mortgage to pay for, how much money do you really need to make every month? You may be in a lower tax bracket than you think. And if you can use your cash to supplement your income plan, your cash, you've already paid taxes on it. So to use it to fund your income in retirement doesn't count against you from an income tax standpoint. Look also at your trust account. Look at your joint accounts. Maybe you have positions that haven't grown very much. Some of your bond holdings probably haven't grown very much over the past three or four years. You can tap those assets without having to pay much in taxes. And by tapping those assets, you can make your entire picture more tax efficient. Tip number four, charitably help yourself charitably help yourself. What do I mean by that? If you're charitably minded, if you give to charity, church, synagogue, the veterans, the hurricane relief fund, why do you do it? You do it because it's a cause you believe in. You don't do it for the tax deduction, but it sure is a nice perk. It sure is a nice benefit. Well, I would challenge you, if you want to tax optimize your overall portfolio, think about using your charitable deductions in a more succinct and efficient way. Let's say you give $10,000 a year to charity. You and your spouse are both working full-time. You're in the highest tax bracket possible. You give that $10,000 contribution. You may be saving, for every $10,000, you may be saving three, dollars $4,000 in taxes. When you retire, if we do some good tax strategy, we can get that tax bracket much lower. Your mortgage is paid off. Your income's tax efficient. Maybe on that same $10,000 contribution, you're only saving $1,500 in taxes. Wouldn't it be better if you could have tax-optimized your charitable giving? Well, you can. There's things called the Donor Advised Fund or your own family foundation. You can pre-fund some of your charitable gifts. Take the deduction in the year that you need it. I just helped someone with this recently. It's the last year that they're working. They had a huge, huge tax bill this year. They're actually going to pre-fund some of their charitable gifts. They're going to put money into a charitable trust where they get the deduction today but can use the money for charity at some point in the future. Tip number five, use your real estate effectively. This is a big one. If you own property, 
The tax rules under this new tax bill from President Trump have really changed the game. You need to look at accelerated depreciation. Look at opportunity zones. Look at how 1031 rules have changed. Look at using real estate as an activity for different deductions. Real estate can be powerful in helping you tax optimize your financial plan. And finally, think about being a contractor in retirement or starting a travel business. I joke with my wife when we retire, I want to be a, be a food and travel critic. Why do I mention that? Well, a lot of people when they retire, some will go from working full-time to not working at all. But many, many will keep doing some side work, maybe some side projects as a contractor. And what that does is the income you receive as a contractor can be very tax efficient. If you're used to being a W-2 worker, you're not used to getting all the deductions that you may be able to qualify for as a contractor. Maybe you can write off your home office. Maybe you can write off your internet, your cable, your, your cell phone. There's things that you can write off with travel, entertainment, being a contractor, searching for business that you may not have been able to deduct before. And maybe some of those things are things you would already have been spending money on in the first place. Having a second job, even as a contractor or a food and wine critic, can have its benefits from a tax perspective and should be looked at very closely when thinking about tax optimizing your overall plan. The following track is taken from Season 1, Episode 7, The Rewo Test, The Retire Eyes Wide Open Test. How do you know if you're retiring with your eyes wide open? I had someone I care about tell me with confidence that they're retiring with their eyes wide open, but how do you know? How do you know? What does it mean to retire with your eyes wide open? What does it mean to have confidence that you have enough information to make those difficult retirement decisions? Well, we created a test, 13 yes or no questions that will clearly tell you how informed you are. You'll know with certainty if you're retiring with your eyes wide open. Are you going into the biggest financial decision of your life with your eyes closed? I sure hope not. Let's go through our our top 13 questions. Again, these are yes or no questions. You're going to get a score at the end, answer them yes or no, and you're going to know with confidence how ready you are for retirement. Question number one, have you interviewed multiple financial professionals? This is an important one. I don't care if I'm the first person you've ever talked to. Interview multiple financial professionals because financial advisors are very different in how they manage money, how they manage taxes, how they manage your assets, and how they approach retirement. You want to make sure that you've got one that you're comfortable with and one that is competent enough to handle the multifaceted aspects of retirement. Question two, do you have a written income plan for retirement? This is a big one, and I'm surprised at how few people actually have an income plan. What does that mean? Well, you want to plot out for the next 30 years, what's your income projection going to be in retirement and in the future? And where is it going to come from? Is it coming from Social Security? Is it coming from IRAs? Is it coming from joint accounts, pensions? You want to lay all of that out on a spreadsheet or using various financial planning software to make sure you've got clarity on when your income is going to be coming. Number three, have you considered multiple Social Security strategies? This is a big one. Social Security is not just as simple as turning it on at 62 or not as simple as waiting until 70. Have you reviewed multiple ways to take your Social Security and how that impacts your income plan? Number four, have you stress tested your current portfolio holdings? 
The portfolio that you have today may not be the same portfolio you had 10 years ago or 15 years ago, but is it ready for the next recession? We're in the longest bull market on record. We're 10 years into this thing since our last recession in 08. How ready is your portfolio to handle the next big pullback? You need to know the answer to that question because when you start pulling income from retirement, if you're exposed to too much risk, you might run out of money. Number five, is your portfolio keeping pace with the market? It's another important yes or no question. And one of the ways to know it is to look at how your portfolio has compared to the S&P 500 index or some other index that's going to be considered your benchmark. It's important not just that your account has been growing in value. Most everyone has been growing in value over the past 10 years. But have you been keeping pace with the market? S&P 500 over the past 10 years up over 300% since 2008. How far has your account grown? Number six, have you explored strategies to improve tax efficiency in retirement? This is another big one. How are you going to pull income in retirement? Are you being tax advantaged and tax efficient in how you're pulling your income? And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, then you can answer this question no and look into it a little bit further to make sure you're ready for retirement. It's not just what you make, it's what you keep. And tax efficiency is a big critical component to proper financial planning. Number seven, have you planned how Social Security and RMDs will impact your taxes? This is another big one. Social Security has different breakpoints with where your income is, where your income from Social Security could be tax-free, or only half of it's taxable, or only 85% of it is taxable. Make sure you understand where those numbers are and how it might impact your taxes. Same thing goes for required minimum distributions. Once you reach 70 and a half, you're forced to start pulling money from your IRAs. How is that going to impact your taxes? And does it make sense to start those withdrawals maybe a little bit early? Number eight, will your mortgage be paid off or housing expenses be planned for? Many people, when they retire, they have a goal of having their mortgage paid off, and a lot of people do it. A lot of successful retirees figure out a way to pay off that mortgage. It's a lot easier to meet your income goals if your expenses are lower and not having that mortgage sure helps. If you are going to have a mortgage or maybe you don't own a home at all, how is your housing expense going to be paid for and are there strategies to help reduce it? Could you downsize? Could you move to an over 55 community? Could you move out of state? Could you do a reverse mortgage? These are all different things that you want to explore to make sure your costs are under control in retirement. Number nine, have you explored multiple investment philosophies? A lot of people don't necessarily understand this question. What do I mean? Well, one of the most common investment philosophies today is a passive investment philosophy. Just buy and hold. Buy indexes and hold them. But there's a whole bunch of different investment philosophies. How much international should you have? Are you subscribing to Tony Robbins' investment philosophy? Maybe Susie Orman's, uh, maybe Warren Buffett's. What investment philosophy do you subscribe to? Are you an active manager? Are you a passive manager? And have you interviewed different advisors that maybe have different approaches to how they manage investments? If you get educated, if you have your eyes open, you can make the best decisions about how you want to move forward with your retirement assets. Number 10, have you evaluated multiple annuity strategies? This is a controversial one. Some people hate annuities, but I would challenge you, even if you hate them, you should at least know the best ones that are available. 
I'd say probably a third of the people I work with have no annuities at all. They just they either not, are not appropriate for them or they don't want them in their portfolio. And that's okay. You may be in a situation where annuities are not right for you either. But it's good to know how they might fit in your portfolio. Where we best see them used is as bond alternatives or as ways to supplement your income in retirement. You should at least know what are the top couple options. Whether you use them or not is a different story, but make sure you've evaluated your options. Number 11, do you know the fees you're paying for your investments? I'm surprised how many people don't know the fees that they're paying. Often, if you have a 401k at some of these discount brokerage firms, your fees could be very low. But other firms have varying fees, some higher than 2%. Make sure you really understand what those fees are. You don't have to go necessarily with the person with the lowest fees, but you have to understand what the fees are and what is the value that you're getting for that fee. Is that fee worth it? Number 12, have you explored Roth conversion strategies? Another yes or no question. This is a big one. A lot of people build up their 401ks in traditional IRA accounts, but they neglect their Roth accounts. Now, IRAs and 401ks, they go in pre-tax, but eventually when you pull the money out, you have to pay taxes on it. Roth is after-tax money. It grows tax-free. You can pull it out tax-free. And Roth conversion strategies may make the most sense from the moment you retire until the day you turn 70. Because once you turn 70, all your income's on, all your pension income, your Social Security income, and you're being forced to pull money for required minimum distributions from your IRAs. So Roth conversions may best work between the time you stop working until 70 and maybe even after that, depending upon what your assets look like and what your overall goals are. At the end of the day, though, it makes sense to think about. Even if you're only converting 10 or 20,000 a year, it really adds up over time. 10,000 a year over 10 years is 100 grand. Over 20 years is 200,000. That's now in a tax-free bucket. Number 13, is your estate plan up to date? I'm surprised how many people, probably 75% of people that I meet with, have no estate plan at all. It's not because they're not smart people. It's not because they're not successful. They just don't take the time to do it. And with technology today, there really is no excuse. It's easier than ever to sit down and complete an estate plan. Estate planning has also gotten a lot easier. It used to be a big deal to think about what kind of taxes you were going to pay if you passed. Under the new tax bill, you each have over $10 million exempt from estate taxes if you pass. So it makes estate planning a lot easier. Make sure it's something that you get taken care of and addressed. There it is. There's our reroll test. Yes or no answers for 13 questions. Hopefully you answered them all. Yes. And if not, how can we get you to a yes? They're all important. This is one of those tests you want to keep taking over and over until you get them all right. Now, if you answered those questions, if you answered 12 of them correct, you're really ready for retirement. If you answered 10 plus, you're in pretty good shape, higher than average, but still some work to do. Six to nine correct is average, um, but a lot of work to do. A lot of questions yet to be answered to make sure you're fully aware and fully ready for retirement. And if only five or less were answered yes, you're really below average and have a lot of work ahead of you. Now, I don't care how many you got right, having some help talking through these questions is part of what I do. It's a very important piece of what we do and an important piece that any financial advisor should be able to help you with. If you want to talk one-on-one about your situation, go to our website, retireewo.com, click on Schedule a Consult, and you can get an hour free of my time to review these questions to get you really up to speed and ready for retirement. 
If you also want to take this test again, or you know someone that might benefit from taking the Rewo test, go to our website and look for the button Rewo test, R-E-W-O test. It'll give you a link and an ability to take this test and look at your scores to make sure you're ready for retirement. This retirement stage, you can win at it, you can fail at it, you can just get by. One of the best ways to win is to really make sure you did your homework, that you went into it after careful analysis of your options, that you made the best decisions you could. The stakes are high. You're gonna look back at this time with perfect clarity on if you made the right decisions or not. And the way you can be comfortable is knowing that you did all that you could to get it right. That concludes our collection of some of our best content from season one. If you like what you hear, go to our website, retireewo.com. You can also go to iTunes or Google Play for full episodes or like us on Facebook for our latest content. And as always, if you want to talk more one-on-one about your personal financial situation and strategies to help optimize your retirement, I'd be happy to sit down with you one-on-one for an initial consultation. Just reach out to our office to schedule. You can call us at 714-592-7705. That's 714-592-7705. Or go to our website, retireewo.com and click on schedule a consult. Thanks again for listening.